You're listening to the Fertility Academy podcast, episode 22. Today in the solo episode, I'm talking all about something that's 50% of the genetic equation when it comes to making a baby, male fertility. So stay tuned. Welcome to Fertility Academy, a podcast where we provide you with information and tools to help you optimize your fertility to grow your family no matter where you are in your fertility journey. We offer interesting, creative, and evidence-based information and give you practical tools to help you get closer to your goal of building a family. I'm your host, Michelle Kapler. I'm a fertility-focused acupuncturist and Chinese medicine practitioner, board-certified fertility specialist and fertility coach with over 10 years of experience helping my patients build their families. I'm so glad you're here with us. Let's get on with the episode. Hello and welcome. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Today we're going to talk about all things male fertility, sperm, semen, men's health, all of it. A conversation that comes up over and over again between me and my guests on the podcast is the emphasis that's put on the responsibility of the people with eggs and ovaries to successfully carry out making a baby. In a wide variety of infertility contexts, including inability to get pregnant and stay pregnant, the contribution of the sperm and the semen is usually an afterthought in these cases. In my clinical practice, most of my patients are women and people with eggs and ovaries. I would say that close to 90% of the people I work with. Yet, the data shows that of all the infertility cases, approximately 40 to 50% is due to male factor infertility on some level of contribution. If you want to read more on that in this trend, I'll pop that research in the show notes for you. But yet, 90% of people seeking clinical fertility care from me are women and people with eggs and ovaries. They're doing all the work, they're going to acupuncture, taking the supplements, eating healthfully, and they're carrying the vast majority of the emotional labor in the process. They're managing the doctor's appointments and schedules, attending appointments, doing research, getting therapy, and all of the other things that people feel like they need to do in this process. And I think that's really interesting. I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I've met many couples who experience recurrent miscarriage and the woman is turning herself inside out and backwards and doing everything she can to get to the bottom of what's going on and to treat it. But the male partner still wants to continue smoking a pack a day and drinking like a fish, even though science tells us that sperm health can and sometimes is a common contributing factor or causal factor in both recurrent miscarriage and unexplained infertility. I think that's also really interesting. So why is this happening? So many deep reasons, whether cultural or familial, are at play here. But I think a lot of it comes down to a lack of education on the subject. And that's what I want to talk about on this episode today. So here we go. Let's talk about sperm. Human reproduction is fascinating. I consider myself very fortunate to have specialized in a field of clinical practice that has so many nuances and interesting tidbits of information. And something I've become incredibly grateful for over the years is the ability to look at a person's reproductive health as a telling view of their overall health. Take the female menstrual cycle, for example. It's been referred to as some as the fifth final sign, up there with heart rate and breathing quality. In general, a healthy, regular, pain-free menstrual cycle indicates that a certain standard of health has been achieved in the person. 
When we see pain, dysregulation, or a complete stoppage of the cycle, it gives us a pretty big sign that something underlying needs to be addressed. And it's no different for the sperm and, and the semen side of things. In general, we can look at the semen analysis as a vital sign that gives us an idea of a man's overall health. So when we see irregularities in sperm count and sperm motility, how it moves, morphology, the way it's shaped, for example, does it have one head, one tail, all of this information, if it's coming back in a way that's abnormal, can be a subtle way of letting us know that something needs to be addressed. So it's all well and good to know this information so we can do something about it, but how do we get it? There's a test called the semen analysis. It's a relatively non-invasive test where a semen sample is provided to a lab and it's analyzed. From there, we get a report back and we can see how many sperm are present, how well they move, how they're shaped, as well as many other factors that can be tested depending on the lab. For example, some labs look at the DNA of the sperm. Some look for presence of antibodies that might be attacking the sperm. There's a lot of information that we can get from just one sample. From there, a report will be given and how the sample compares to a scale of what's considered normal. So for example, a sperm count of 15 million sperm per milliliter of semen is considered to be within normal limits. If the sample contains fewer than 15 million, it's considered to be a low sperm count. And that's just one example of the information that we can get back from the semen analysis report. As healthcare providers, we can look at this report and determine if it's likely that the sperm health is contributing to fertility struggles. Now, one thing I want to mention at this point in the episode is that just because your doctor says sperm is fine or it's within normal limits doesn't mean that it might not still be contributing to your fertility struggles. It's been a general trend that the semen analysis parameters have been steadily declining over the past few decades. That is, the lower limits of our grandparents would have actually been much higher than our standards today. What's considered to be normal today could have been considered low or abnormal in previous generations. When semen analysis parameters declined, they simply adjusted the scale of what was considered to be normal. To me, this is kind of like taking the batteries out of the smoke detector when it's making noise rather than investigating the source of the fire. So what does that mean clinically? To me, as a holistic healthcare provider, the higher the better when it comes to anything to do with sperm. And there's always something to improve on, and it's never time wasted to try to improve or optimize the health of a person's sperm. And this reason is simple. Sperm health is directly related to overall health. There are sometimes exceptions, kind of like cancer or genetic disorders, but those are far less common than it simply being an exercise in optimizing health. And the good news is that it's actually pretty simple to improve semen analysis parameters in a short period of time. If your couple is in the situation where the semen analysis comes back and the values are reported as low or abnormal, my recommendation is always to consult a professional such as a naturopathic doctor or other natural healthcare provider to determine the plan that's tailor-made for your own unique needs. This usually includes supplements, vitamins, dietary advice, and lifestyle adjustments. With the right plan, it can usually be improved in a few short months. It's pretty easy on the male side of things. Please don't go on Amazon and order a bunch of supplements for male fertility without talking to a professional first. These supplements often contain a small amount of many different things because they're mass marketed to people. And the doses of all of these many things are so low that they take a really long time to work and you're kind of throwing everything in the kitchen sink at the problem. 
It's a far better use of your time and money to see a professional and take a higher dose of one or two targeted things for your unique and individual needs. In the end, it usually ends up taking less time and costing a lot less money to get on just a few targeted supplements that are recommended by a professional. But if your semen analysis comes back normal and you just want to optimize health, this can be a worthwhile effort too. Whether you're trying to get pregnant with the help of a doctor or without, or you're working with a fertility clinic, optimizing sperm health can significantly increase your chances of conception and ultimately a healthy baby. There is so much we can do to optimize things on the male side, but I want to give you a couple of things that you can begin today that don't cost any money or might actually save you some money. So here we go. Number one is exercise. It is no mystery to most people that regular exercise can improve your health, and sperm is part of this. But it's important to consider the type of exercise. High-intensity exercise has been shown in research to have a potentially negative effect on sperm health, while strength training exercise has been shown to improve it. Cycling is worth mentioning, of course. Money bike seats can put pressure on the area and overheat the testicles, which can have a negative impact on sperm production and health. So if long daily bike rides are your thing, you might want to consider switching to lifting weights for a while. Number two is sleep. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you already know that sleep is an integral part of optimizing for fertility for either partner. So from a general health and therefore fertility optimization perspective, we want to be aiming for seven to nine hours of good quality sleep every night. I have a full episode all about sleep and I'll post that in the show notes if you want to learn more about it. I was looking at the research this morning and came across many studies that showed that lack of sleep can have a significant impact on semen analysis parameters. I'll put one study in the show notes that I found particularly interesting. It was linking sleep deprivation and late bedtime with an increase in anti-sperm antibody production, which is essentially the body attacking its own sperm cells. Pretty crazy to think about. Number three is smoking cannabis and alcohol. All three of these lifestyle factors have been shown in research to have a negative impact on sperm health, especially smoking of any kind, be it cigarettes or cannabis. Alcohol has been shown to have a negative impact on sperm, even at moderate levels. So when it comes to smoking, I always encourage people to cut it out completely. If you're using cannabis for health reasons, it might be worthwhile to try to use an alternate form of administration. But with cigarettes, no amount of smoking is safe, and I strongly recommend stopping immediately. And it doesn't just stop with getting pregnant. We also want to look at the overall health picture of being healthy for the duration of your child's life, because it doesn't just stop with conception. It's being healthy to be there for your child throughout their whole life, seeing them get married, see them go on to have their own kids or do whatever they want with their life. And you want to be there for that. And we know that it's well proven in research that cigarettes are kind of the opposite of that. As for alcohol, this one's a little bit more nuanced. Cutting down to one to two drinks per week can often have a positive impact on improving sperm health. But as I always say, when in doubt, cut it out. You can always add it back in after conception if that's what you choose. And I'm going to put that research in the show notes for you as well if you want to take a further look at that. Another honorable mention when it comes to semen and sperm health is keeping the area cool. Sperm is incredibly sensitive to temperature, mainly heat, which destroys it. You may have noticed that the area is very active and moving around, literally, to create ideal temperatures for the testicles. Wearing tight-fitting underwear, spending a lot of time in hot tubs or hot baths, and doing a lot of high-impact, high-intensity exercise on a regular basis can significantly overheat things. 
so it might be worth investing in some looser fitting underwear and skipping the hot tub for a bit. So that's my concise info to sperm health. Do you have any questions about this? Let's keep the conversation going. You can find me over on Instagram at Fertility Academy. I'm going to be back next Wednesday with another episode. Until then, take care. Thank you for joining us on Fertility Academy. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you loved our content today, please be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share it with someone who you think might find it helpful. Don't forget to subscribe to be the first to be notified of new episodes. A new one comes out every Wednesday. To keep in touch with us and to continue the conversation, you can find us over on Instagram at Fertility Academy or join us on our private Facebook group, the Fertility Academy Community, 